I don't know if you heard that, but after I coughed, there was like coughed, clapped. There was a dog outside that went. Oh, I didn't hear that. It wasn't Leo. He's he would never. It was the demon dog of hell that lives in your house. Oh no, the demon dog of hell that lives in my house, Leo. No, no, the demon dog of hell that lives in your house. The demon <laughs> is this um, LeBlanc from. It was kind of LeBlanc-y, huh? It was pretty LeBlanc-y. You tapped on those Louisiana roots and you said, I have a case of a demon dog. from This <laughs> This has been a real uh, Knives Out mystery. <laughs> <laughs> what another Knives Out mystery this a, has been. What another Knives Out style mystery. <laughs> another Benoit Blanc Knives out <laughs> mystery. I, I like to imagine him saying knives out style. <laughs> One of them knives out styled mysteries that are going around these days. I I love the idea that he's so <laughs> he's so tuned into the branding, but he 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 for some reason isn't aligned on a knives out mystery. He's calling it a knives out style, mystery. a stylized knives out mystery. This has been another mystery in the style of popular film knives. Out. <laughs> Thank you, Benoit. Thank you. Wait, are you really going to make me introduce the podcast on my birthday? Yeah. But it's yeah. you're good. It's my birthday though. Like shouldn't Henry, shouldn't I have like the day off? We talked about this. You can't talk about it being your birthday cuz the podcast has to be timeless. Right, but it is my birthday. Uh-huh. And as such, it feels like maybe you should take some of the load off of you know what i'll just i'll i'll fine i'll do it i'll do it i'll do it it's it's fine i'm tapping my watch impatiently there's no interjection you're not even gonna try to like say like oh no all right okay okay i see how it is i'll see how it is you know We'll see what happens when your birthday comes around. Um, people are going to quit. Listen, people are going to ask a lot of questions like, is this a supplemental reading? What's happening? Why is John talking? It's important that the people feel comfortable and that you know that you're not special just because it's your birthday. I feel like they would understand 
knowing that it's my birthday, that things would be a little different. You could have like a surprise kind of like planned out Mm -hmm. because it's a very special day on the podcast because it's my birthday. But I guess Mm -hmm. we we could just do it normal. We could do it normal. Yeah, it sounds great. All right. We we can. We can do it. That is an option. We can do that. There are other options, though. Mm, Yeah, none that I would like to entertain, though. You don't even want to talk this out. What talk out me starting the podcast and like throwing like a little surprise. I guess it wouldn't be a surprise at this point. You would have already needed to uh, plan that out. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I would have had to have done that. Well, okay, fine. All right, here we go. You know, hey, I mean, if you want me to start the podcast, I can. No, no. You know what? You know what? I don't want you to. All right. No one's going to start the podcast. Okay, I insist. I'll I'll try to start the podcast. No, 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 it's okay. It's okay. No, no, well, no. If, no if I got it. I got it. I got, I got it. To you. No, it's okay. Fine. I'll do it, I guess. Did you want me to start now, though? Yeah, no, starting now would be great. All right. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome back to Zero Grand. Oh, come on, man. You could do way You could do way better than that. Welcome back, everyone, and welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we you talk. You welcome back everyone, and then you welcome them back to Zero Credits again. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My name's Happy Birthday, Henry. And my name's Happy Birthday, John. And together we're happy birthday, Henry, and happy birthday, John, coming at you to discuss the cultural happenings of that there zeitgeist in order to complete this silly little bit we've been doing. Henry, I want to take a step outside of the podcast right now and wish you a happy birthday. Oh, please don't mention it. It is a rare day when a podcast falls on the birth of one of its hosts. And in fact, maybe it's never happened before. I I wouldn't, I don't even know how to check that. And if it did, I don't remember it. So this is the first time it's ever landed on a birthday. It might have landed on mine. I wouldn't have made a big deal about it. But it's your birthday, and that's not nothing. That is not nothing indeed. And I was going to check, um, but I realized we release on Fridays. <laughs> Yeah, you'd have to like look through, subtract three from each one. Right. So when it's a Tuesday, a Friday would be the 1st of September. Can I search? This isn't important. Let's move on with the podcast. I like that you're only searching for your birthday and not mine, which the listeners have no idea what my birthday is and they never will. We've never released an episode on September 1st. See, it's the it's a big day, and I can't believe you downplay it like that. No, no, don't even don't even bother to mention it. You know, it's very nice of you to bring it up, but I don't need these accolades. I don't need them. Henry, I just want to say thank you for being born. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you come to me How dare on you the bring day up my worst curse? <laughs> you come to me on the day of my birth. And remind me of the deepest curse of my soul. <laughs> you come to me on the day of my self's birthing. Yes. Anyway, uh, it is my birthday. Everyone shower praise on me. Everyone, I hate it. I'm leaving. Here's the thing. No one's going to know it's your birthday when this episode releases. Well, everyone's going to think it's September 1st. Lucky, lucky September baby, they'll say. Yeah. A regular Virgo, they'll think. 
But no, I will secretly be one of those weird Virgos who are born in August. You're are you a cusp? A cusp? A cusp? A cusp? Yeah, C U C K. No, I'm not a cuck. Oh, uh, sorry. I mean a cusp. Someone who's like <laughs> between two astrological signs. I'm 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 in I'm a Virgo. All right. What's your moon then? The Earth's moon. <laughs> Oh, that's where you're fucking up. A lot of people, their moon is a big scorpion. A what? Like a Scorpio? How come? I don't mean to get on another. <laughs> let's one get of on. Let, no, let's do this. Get on another one of John's. I don't mean to get on another one of John's patented zodiac tirades. Let's do it. One of my astrological screeds. But how come? The only. Zodiac symbol that is an animal that people think is cool is a Scorpio. You don't think crabs are cool? People who are Scorpios, it's Scorpio this, Scorpio that. I have uh, I have pumps with a scorpion encased in lucite in them. I'm such a Scorpio. You don't see an Aquarius walking around with a water man on their neck. Right, and you also don't see... Virgos walking around with women on their neck. I'm a Gemini. Do you see me walking around with two women anywhere but the club? <laughs> the Actually, Gemini. If I'm a Gemini, it would be one woman and it would be my sister who's my twin. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> so no. You, you turn you turn Gemini into something that's not um interesting <laughs> you don't you don't see me fraternizing with my twin outside the club no and he's a gemini so you know that's all he wants to do absolutely uh two once again another astrological screed gemini's not well liked it doesn't seem it seems like everyone's opinion of gemini's is that they're like two-faced high energy weirdos and that's not me yeah, no, uh, it's, you could almost say that all this astrological stuff has is not based on any form of reality. Yeah, I'm a hard determinist, though, so everything's predetermined. So, you know, I'm a scorpion. All right, well, skitter, skitter. <laughs> I'll skitter. Uh, Don't John. threaten me with a good time. I'll skitter. I'll skitter all the live long day. Do it. Skitter. I'm skittering. Good. They hate to see me skitter. Oh, they see you skitter. <laughs> my, my haters detest seeing me skitter. All their homies hate you skittering. <laughs> skittering, despite the thousands of people who are against me. You know, you're really brave. <laughs> I'm brave to skitter. You're brave. You know, other people could, and they, they don't. I'm I'm I just think it's kind of annoying that people like Taylor Swift put out songs about skittering, but they don't really get what it's like to skitter. No, yeah, so they appropriate the skitter culture. Yeah, my culture in parentheses skittering is not their costume. Yeah, I get it. Good. <laughs> so we've got a bingo update for the oh, yes. 2023 Zeitgeist bingo that we've been playing. Uh, actually, I think we have to refer to the John scoreboard. We have to go back to the John scoreboard because as I have tattooed uh, on my sacrum, all I do is win. 
and I cannot find... I just keep winning. I can't stop winning, and I have bagged another juicy W. Where is it? Oh, it's in Google Docs. Hold on. I can I can vamp for more time. That's right. All I do is win, win, win. DJ Collins style. You know we the best music because Bob Barker is dead. <laughs> That's a segue for the ages. Yes, the, uh, the longtime game show host and... I guess newly proclaimed patron saint of sick days has passed away at the ripened old age of 99. Uh, Yes, Bob Barker, uh, national sweetheart. I don't really know too much about Bob Barker, uh, but the dude, the dude hated animals with reproductive genitalia. You gotta spay or neuter your pets. Don't just spay them or neuter them. Spay Both. and neuter them both regardless. Them. Regardless. It doesn't matter. Do them both. Do them both. Now, of course, when the news broke, I went through a cascade of emotions. The first one was, regrettably, wait, was he on my bingo card? Oh, no. Remembering he was. Feeling elated and then feeling mm. the um, the rush of guilt and shame that my first response when finding out that a beloved man had died was, ooh, I got another point on a made-up bingo game, which is really where Column G Notable Deaths has some issues. It does. There's something very problematic about us betting who's going to die in a year uh because when if we ever got to the point where one of us was one square away from a bingo odds are we would actively be rooting for someone's death which is to say wrong it it is wrong now thankfully uh thankfully thankfully with bob barker's death (laughs) i think i am closest to bingo of the two of us i think you are i think you were more realistic in your predictions i think i wanted a more chaotic year i don't know why maybe deep down inside i'm a little bit of a goblin but it seems as though yes you are closer to a bingo than myself but the year's not over yet john we got four-ish more months wait how many months are in a year four-ish more months four-ish more months now of course for me the I am quite close to bingo with two spaces being required to complete Zeit Bingo. The free space, of course, Elon Musk bankrupts Twitter. We know that's going to happen. He's getting closer and closer every day. We know that's going to happen. Now, of course, it is a bit of a a bit of a Hail Mary and that the Antichrist will have to be ascendant for me to win on the horizontal. But there is still time for that. I think, honestly, that. My next best strategy is if Sam Bankman-Fried is found guilty, Elon Musk bankrupts Twitter, Henry Kissinger dies, which I will not feel sad at all about that one, and we get an email from a more popular podcast. Oh, okay. Wow, that that's pretty tough. That one's tough. I'm really rooting for the Antichrist being ascendant. Yeah, it seems as though maybe you are closer than me to a bingo because it seems maybe as though I don't understand how things work in the world 
I said five countries join NATO, whereas it's taken almost a year and a half just for the Ukraine to join NATO. <laughs> so apparently it's more involved than I thought it would be. Um, but there is still time for Trump to be put to trial and riots to ensue because I think he's got a draw coming up in October. Uh, so I know Sam Bankman-Fried has a trial in October. There's actually like some Trump. Uh, it sounds like I'm being like Rachel Maddow or whatever. But, you know, there's some Trump news. A little bit. He got, what, arraigned and indicted for a fifth or sixth time. I've lost count. I'm just so tired of winning. Uh, so I think, hold on, there was a scheduling item that I read. Uh, so his team was attempting to push the trial back right to 2026 prosecutors right. were trying to push it we're trying to accelerate it to i think october maybe right uh and a judge ruled that his trial will happen in the midst of the primaries right before super tuesday right so that's the federal case yes w will be set the day before super tuesday that's the day it starts Yes. Um, so that's fun for everybody involved. But yeah, I think there's another trial at the state level. I think Georgia State is happening in October. Oh, October is going to be a huge month for the podcast. Uh, yeah, um, it really is. You know, I, I really hope nothing bad happens to us because we're planning a lot of content for October. Mm -hmm. I really hope we get to pull it off. Yeah, there's a lot of really cool stuff for the podcast in relation to Zeit Bingo, and it would just be a shame if there was something that happened every year like clockwork that totally derailed any plans that we have. Yeah, I hope that doesn't happen again this year. But yeah, it seems as though I, I was just all over the place with my predictions. I don't see how any of this is going to come true. Healthcare becomes a major issue. No laws are passed. I mean... Kinda, yeah, but not in any real meaningful way. King Charles would need to pass away, which, you know, that's not too far off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, I'm with the free space included, I'm also two spaces away from a bingo, but um, I need that healthcare thing and that King Charles thing to happen. Yeah, that might be tough. Now, of course, I did have a couple stretch goals in my bingo. You know, famous person dies in a maze or labyrinth, or Phoebe Bridgers is announced to be in House of the Dragon. Pretty excited about those two if they do come to pass. Of course, you're Joe Rogan injured in experimental ball therapy. Yeah, yeah. I'm still waiting for Megan the Stallion to realize her destiny and become Batman. Yeah, I think that one, I think that and the ball therapy are kind of givens. Right, right. But yeah, so that this is a quick little. Updated bingo RIP to Mr. Bob Barker, who filmed over 6,000 episodes of The Price is Right between 1972 to 2007, um, the exact number being 6,586 episodes, which 6, is... What? Huh? <laughs> what I, was just re I was just repeating the number. Right, which is now the new goal for the podcast. <laughs> we have to beat his record. Hey, Bob Barker died for this podcast. That's the least we can do. Right. Or Never. we get the closest to it without going 
over. Absolutely. Oh, we should have stopped at one. <laughs> now, of course, I was repeating that number after you said it because I was trying to see if I could do some flash numerology to turn it into like the number of the beast and get Antichrist ascendant, but I couldn't. Gotcha. Yeah, well, six plus six, there are two sixes there, and then five and eight, you know, between five and eight them. Is, of course, 13. Oh, wait. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold 6, on. 6,586? Yeah, 6586. Six, the beginning number of the number of the beast. Five and eight together, 13, the unluckiest number. Six, the final number of the number of the beast. Six, 13, six, pretty evil. I mean, yeah, okay. Try this on for size. You got six, five, eight, six. The number between the, the the number of digits between five and eight is three. Eight minus five is also three. Three and three together, six, 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 six. We got there. Six, six, six. We got there. Take the six. Take the six. Drop the five and the eight. Yeah. Okay. Take the other six. Oh, oh yep. Turn it around. Oh, 180 90. degrees. Put them together. Hundred eighty. Ninety nine. No, take the first six. Leave it alone. Okay, okay. Drop the five and the eight. I'm dropping them. Take the other six. Oh my god. Oh, uh, see? Number 23? <laughs> <laughs> Not that the number is 23, but this right, is another right. number 23 style numerology hack. Uh, my one big regret in the Hollywood industry is that the scary movie franchise dropped off before Jim Carrey's number 23 entered the popular zeitgeist. Uh, Because I could just imagine just fun little parodies of that, but just changing the number just slightly to a more funny number, um, like the sex number. Could be the, or the weed number. Or the weed number. But either way, it's just like, yeah, a man haunted Everywhere he looks, all he sees is like 42069, but played like super dramatically. Okay, straight up, that is genuinely a genius movie idea. Right. Like, uh, like uh, Kiefer Sutherland's Mirrors or whatever, where he's right. haunted by horrible visions and mirrors. This is just someone who has been so poisoned <laughs> by popular whatever. He just... All he sees is 69 and 420. And like the first couple times that happens, he tells people they're ha ha funny. But right. it's, a, it's a genuine haunting and psychosis. Yeah, I, I know we as a culture really moved on from the, uh, the the parody of blockbuster movie genre of film. And probably for good reason, because, you know, our attention spans have changed and they would just have to get faster and faster with the jokes and probably more loud and crass. And so it's just that one guy, you know, like around the office who all he does is quote anchor man as fast and as loud as possible. And that doesn't really make for a good viewing experience. And of course we know we peaked at meet the Spartans. So why keep going? Right. Well, I would, I would contend that scary movie three is probably the peak of that genre of film but who am i to say anything i mean it's just my birthday it's just your birthday was meet the spartans a joke on meet the fockers slash meet the parents plus 300 was that yeah. the idea yeah so um scary movie started out just doing 
scary movies. Uh, that was a dumb sentence. But by Inspired scary, heavily by Scream. Right, which was already a parody of like other horror movies. Yes. It's funny how like each time it you just remake it a little more obvious that it's that it's like like cuz Scream is up and down the first Scream up and down is a satire of horror movies. Absolutely. By you the just, master himself Wes Craven. Yeah, you're just making more and more overt the comedy each time you do it. But by Scary Movie 3 they brought in the idea of let's do popular movies too and then that kind of gave way for other people to be like, "All right, well we're not we're no longer working with a formula." Of like, let's do a horror movie. So Meet the Spartans just like picked a couple of big names in the year. Uh, big movies in the year and just like made fun of all of them. Yeah. I, uh, it, listen, it's a great, it's great. It's Never great. watch the to... starving games. It's really bad. <laughs> I am fascinated to watch the starving games. It is God awful. Uh, we need to bring this back. We need to bring back dumb brain dead parody movies. I, other than like maybe getting too ambitious with like the budget of like what you're going to be making fun of. Yeah. I don't see why that, well, how is that a bad move? We should do it. I don't, I truly don't know how this would sell, but I am pretty obsessed now with the idea of making a movie that's called like B69 or whatever and it's just a satire of A24 movies. Oh, that would be really cool. Yeah. The um, the trailer for it is cut like a fucking horror movie. Right. It would absolutely be I mean cuz you got a lot of you got a lot of room to play with cuz A24 does a lot of different genres. So yeah, there would be a lot to to tap in there. You could even like do like a Bo is afraid that movie in itself is ripe for parody. Yeah, do Bo is Afraid, do was the Northman A24? I, I believe I should it go was. For the hits. I believe it, should, it was. It should go for Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. It should go for Bo is Afraid, Hereditary, uh, Uncut Gems. Do all the hits. Yeah, do the hits. Um, I think Everything Everywhere All at Once is an A24. Is it? I think it is. I feel like it might not be for some reason, but it's not important. It it definitely feels like an A twenty four movie, if nothing else. Would they who? What would they be l- listed under? Like producer? Or, or? Uh, maybe I think you know it's A twenty four. Oh, wait, it's an I. Yeah, distribute. They distributed it. Yes, and dis- distributor is what they do. So okay, so yeah, yes. they distributed it for sure. Yeah, well, cool. You know, uh, leave that movie alone. It's sacred. Of course, don't do anything with everything everywhere all at once. Honestly, unless, honestly, unless wait. Unless what you do is you have the main character from Uncut Gems traveling to multiple realities like everything everywhere all at once, but all he does is drugs and cheat on his wife. Yeah. No, honestly, if if this if this vein of film was still being made, that with the year after everything everywhere all at once came out, there would be a parody that would be the vehicle for the parody movie. Oh, definitely. And it would be called something stupid like all the stuff, all the all the all the what places now or something, you know, something really dumb. Yeah. And it it would just yeah. It I honestly see that as the vehicle cuz then you could just like, oh, they jump into other movies that they're parodying. Yeah. It, it and then and then it would be itself. like uh it would be like a like a white comedic actor like dressed in <laughs> 
uh, really offensively, stereotypically Asian clothing being like, I have to poopy. Uh, it would be not good. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of why I say scary movie three is the, is the pinnacle of this sort of type of film. Cause they, they never, the the one, two and three. Well, okay. The amount of like relying on, on race jokes are kept to a minimum in the, the first, the first couple of those. And I feel like when we got to the meet the Spartans, et cetera, which I think were done by different people, then it was just like, whatever low hanging fruit you can get, let's just fucking blend it. This is going to be a shit smoothie. What I really like about um, comedy pre like 2010 is that race jokes are like heavy metals in the water in that it's best if they're kept to a minimum, but they're always a little present. Yeah, I could see that. They're they're always I just, in I, there a little bit. I'm pretty sure the scary movies were done by the Wayans brothers. So I, I would think they would they would try to like keep that to a minimum, though. You know, it's been a while since I've seen a, a scary movie, so maybe I'm ignorant. Yeah, yeah, they were done by uh, yeah the Wayans. So you would hope. <laughs> you know, it's it's not white dudes in the writing room, is what I'm trying to say. You know, it, it's not yeah, it's fra- white chicks in the writing room. Yeah, because they applause. were chicks. Yeah, it was yeah. a good joke. It was a good joke. Yeah, there we go. They uh, unfortunately only wrote in their white chicks getups. Anyway, I feel like it's a it's a bustin' <laughs> bustin'. I feel like it. The news cycle is bursting, and we've talked about scary movie for an hour. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we can. I, I was going to segue into a topic uh, right now. Oh, please go ahead. It's your birthday. I was going to say, you know, hey, maybe these scary movies are a good vehicle or these genre, these these parody movies might be a good vehicle for Hollywood to make back some of the scratch they lost out of this summer. Yeah, it's been a it's been a bad summer for Hollywood. Well, I guess for Hollywood, for, for the studios, it's been a right. bad summer. Uh, yes, uh, without Barbenheimer propping up the entire industry in a time of striking writers and actors, Hollywood would have lost $1 billion this summer. Oh, my God. But instead, thanks to Barbenheimer, which go see. They, I mean, go see them. They're good. They, they definitely I'm, I'm going to drag them a little bit, uh, but I don't mean it. It's out of love. Uh, but without those horrible, stupid movies, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hollywood, uh, no, with those horrible, stupid movies, Hollywood only lost about 420 blaze it million dollars this summer. Uh, I am the I am the cursed man who can only see 420 everywhere. Uh, apparently, I, I wonder if the presence of Barbenheimer, I don't know, it's bittersweet, right? Because. Everyone was so excited. I think going to see Barbie was maybe like one of the most magical movie going experiences I've had in a long time. People were all dressed up. It was a whole thing. The movies were back, baby Tom Cruise. Uh, But also having those two like huge cultural touchstones come out at the same time really made it so the strikers had to stay in the heat on the street for longer. Oh yeah, it, it 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 does. But the thing, okay, yeah, I hear what you're saying for sure, and, and it's funny that like this this, I mean, Barbie is now one of like the highest grossing movies WB has ever put out. 
So like the success cannot be ignored. Mm-hmm. Um, and Oppenheimer was really good too. It was there. We, we all saw it. It was fine. We saw it. <laughs> it was, it was good, but yeah. Um, but that's it. You know, normally in a summer you would have a handful of these kind of like big hits, but we're, I think we're down to like, people are going to see one movie a summer last summer. It was Top Gun Maverick. This summer, it's Barbie. I think the 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 notion of summer blockbusters with an S is gone. And I think now is everyone is going to start hedging their bets on one movie per summer. I honestly feel like this this is a, a theory that I've had for a little while. In the post-COVID world, I think you have like one movie per season. Kinda. Yeah. Kinda. Like there, there's a movie every three months that most people see. And in summer, it's like the big tentpole ones that make the most money. But every season has like one movie that has like good marketing or is genuinely a good movie and can like penetrate the cultural consciousness. Uh, it felt, it just feels like there used to be so many movies. And now to your point, I think studios just have to put everything behind they're like one big shotgun blast movie every season, especially every summer. Right. For sure. Absolutely. I, I think I think COVID did a lot of damage to the theater for sure. And there are freaks out there like myself who will go see almost every movie that comes out. But the number of people like me are few and far between. Um, so, yeah, I think studios need to maybe cut down actually on the amount of movies made in order to make better quality films to try to capture that almost impossible goal of becoming the next Barbie. I, uh, I feel like they feel like they have to be that way. Of course we know that the right way to be is to make way more movies because when it's more diffuse you give opportunities to like different voices okay. and smaller yeah. budgets and there's more inventiveness and i'm i'm all for oh, yeah movies. i think less movies has like a, a concentrating mm-hmm. is a gatekeeping effect absolutely yes i okay i'm gonna walk back what i said because i like what you said better more movies you know and that also takes off the pressure of each of them individually because they don't necessarily need to reach barbie level because together they can be profitable yeah and of collectively course, you know, they, they can bargain <laughs> collectively they can bargain it's almost like a plurality is almost always better yeah. than an oligopoly uh one thing that is tough though is like it, it's a tough um tough 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 uh it's a difficult Thing to balance because you have something like Netflix, right? Which makes a ton of movies and they're basically all bad. <laughs> yeah, I, it is interesting how Netflix movies have gone really down in quality. It's like they made Beef, which of course was a miniseries and is one of the best things I've ever seen. Uh, but other than that, maybe having like a very diffuse, diffused budget for movies doesn't necessarily mean... The movies are good, though, of course, there is the argument to be made that Netflix does empower marginalized people to create content because of this diffuse strategy. You know, you have things like Never Have I Ever, 
So I don't know. All the boys I I kissed before or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I just wish it was better, I guess. I hear you. What are you going to do? So I'm staring at uh, a data set created by a Reddit user by the name of Go South Court, uh, who, to the best of their ability, has estimated a the theatrical profit and loss for Hollywood this summer. Uh, they're comparing box office numbers to reported budgets of films. And so one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 of the 17 movies that have come out this summer, John, I want you to guess uh-huh. how many were profitable according to this data set. Well, considering this summer, I may be aware of three or four movies that came out. By the way, everybody go see Bottoms. Um, oh, that's say, not on this list. I'm going to say, well, it came out in the fall, my boy, because it just came out. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say of the 17 movies, six were profitable. You are very close. Yeah, it's five. Oh, five. According to this data set. So, the, you know. And there are some estimates here. Um, he's estimating 35% of budget as marketing, which is an interesting caveat. But yeah, five movies since the 1st of May have re- allegedly, using public information, been profitable in the conventional sense of the word mm-hmm. <laughs> profitable. Um, and those five movies, I'm not going to make a guess. I was going to make a guess, but I'm not. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Okay. Barbie. Yes. Oppenheimer. Boom. And then one surprise that I will have you guess. One surprise profitable summer movie. And I'll say that this particular film uh, was a member of the genre that is known for being the most economical in budget. Horror? Yes. Talk to me? Oh, it's not on here. Oh, uh, well, maybe it came out too late in the summer. Hold on, another horror movie that came out. Yeah, it's an in entry in a long-standing franchise. Entry in, uh, is it like um, a Conjuring movie? No. Nah. It's more... It's, oh, Evil Dead Rise, probably. It's more Insidious it De- than oh, that. I did not even know an Insidious movie came out this summer. <laughs> yeah. Um, funnily enough, yeah. Um, insidious clocking in with an estimated $61 million profit. Uh, is Cool, modest. Yeah, pretty cool. Um, do a horror film. But yeah, so of the 17 movies that have come out this summer, a lot of them, big Potential tentpole, huge entries like your Mission Impossibles and your Indiana Joneses and your The Little Mermaids and Fast X. And, um, well, I was going to say Meg to the Trench, but I guess that's a stretch. Uh, yeah, of, of all the possible, like, tried and true franchise movies, none of them were all too popular. We've got two original movies and the Barbenheimer package. We've got a sequel to one of the greatest animated movies of all time. Spider-Man. We got, uh, James Gunn's farewell to Marvel guardians of the galaxy. And we got a horror movie like 
So all of these big tentpole crazy franchise movies aren't the answer anymore. Do more films for sure, but do more original films as well, please. We have been honking on this conch for years, but more, mostly this year, franchises are dead. They're dead. Uh, honestly, franchises are dead and Disney killed them. <laughs> yeah, um, kind of, kind of, yeah. I, you notice how during COVID Disney Plus came out and everyone was all about that Mandalorian shit. Oh, Mandalorian was so great. And now I think that they overplayed their hand. I think that they, the largest purveyors of legacy brands, overplayed their hand and people don't fucking care about Jonathan Majors as the purple guy who teleports. People don't care about Loki. People don't care about a million different... People don't care about Shang-Chi and the Seven Rings. Ashoka just came out this week, and I can't can't tell you anyone who's watched it. People people don't care. Um, They thought they could just keep milking this cow forever, and they couldn't. I, I honestly feel... If I'm an executive today, honestly, everything in my gut instincts should should be telling me, avoid the franchise movie. Absolutely. Because... By all reports, people aren't showing up to them. It's no longer a guaranteed let's get butts and seats. You know, that's my only driving factor as an executive is like, what are people going to come out to see? And I'm being shown that it, it is not franchise movies. I watched that Indiana Jones movie and I used to be a huge Indiana Jones fan. And the Shia LaBeouf one was genuinely a, a quite bad movie. And if if in a non- uh, like sequel poisoned world, the Dial of Destiny had come out, and I saw like Mads Mikkelsen, Harrison Ford, Phoebe Waller Bridge in this, admittedly, like totally serviceable and quite good movie. I would have been so fucking excited, but it it just turns yeah. into this bland melange of franchises. If people, so, yeah. people are so exhausted, and I feel bad. Mm-hmm. For the executives, which I never feel bad for executives. Oh, you shouldn't. They're going to dry their tears with like wads of cash. But to be someone like at Disney or Universal or whatever and have these like decades spanning franchises that you're going to continue to milk that IP, that takes years of planning. And to the reason why people like Disney show this like Marvel cinematic universe graph of movies over the next 10 to 12 years is because it takes actually a tremendous amount of work and planning and millions of dollars to set this stuff into motion. Mm -hmm. But when you make small movies that are not connected with existing IP, you're agile, you can move, you can adapt. So they're getting outflanked by people who are making movies that aren't part of big franchises when people are super fucking sick of them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was going to say if Dial of Destiny was the fourth entry uh, 14 years ago or however long it was, we we would be talking about a different fifth movie that we didn't like. (laughs) <laughs> yeah exactly um but yeah absolutely i i think it's 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 people keep kept or keep they keep saying about superhero f- uh fatigue or what have you i think it's franchise fatigue i think it's we're tired of known properties we want to be surprised again 
we got surprised pretty hard by COVID in 2020 and 2021. And that was a bad surprise. You think we would cling to the, to the familiar, but what, what we're being shown in the data and at the box offices, the familiar isn't cutting it. We want to be delight, delightfully surprised by something wholly original. We're familiar with Barbie as a concept, but the take on the movie was a breath of fresh air because it was philosophical. It was deep in its themes. It, it explored so much that we've gone through in the past couple of years in ourselves that maybe we're, we hadn't even begun to think about. The, the idea that we are thinking about death and <laughs> that kind of colors everything about us. That's been us for two years. I mean, honestly, like if we were to take four movies and they're very disparate, but like Barbie, everything everywhere all at once, talk to me and bottoms. Like during all four of these movies, I was like, I'm feeling something in these movies. I haven't felt for more than a decade, which is an anxiety and anticipation because I'm being shown something new. Like, if you're constantly being fed franchise, you're like, oh, I kind of know that this has to play certain notes, but things can't change that much. But when I was watching Talk to Me, I felt as unnerved as I felt watching Hereditary because I'm like, I don't know what journey this movie is going to put me on. And it, it serves nobody. It could do anything to me. It's exhilarating in a way franchise movies never can be. One of yeah, one of the the movies that most affected me this year is a movie that I utterly do not like and can never watch again and cannot recommend. And I, mean, I, I know what you're gonna say. I hate it. Uh, but Bo is afraid mm-hmm. was of a, a wholly original movie where I had no idea what was going to happen next in a way that frightened me and affected me to my core because I, I, and I think you're putting into words sort of the feeling. It didn't feel like a studio backed film in that the filmmaker had no regard to my experience watching the film. He didn't care about his audience. I don't mean, and I mean this in a, in a profound way, not in like a, uh, a mean way, but I, I honestly feel like he didn't care about his audience's experience or, or their feelings. And that is wholly untethered from a studio because the, the, the filmmaker was like, I'm okay with people walk out of the film knowing they hate it. And that is refreshing. And and it's also worth noting. It's an Ari Aster movie. So uh, I, I have a, big old stomach for horror movies. And I uh, d- turned off hereditary after a certain point uh, because I felt so scared about what was going to happen to me <laughs> watching it. And then I finished it. And it's one of the best movies ever. I can't, I don't think I can. Oh, it's, it's I don't, advanced. I don't, I don't know if I can watch another Ari Aster. Like I, I applaud him. I think he's probably one of the better filmmakers out there today. If not among the best. I think Auteur is still alive and he is it. But I it so is, this, yeah. it, it, it's, it's, 
I, I'm sorry. I didn't know what I was going to say next. <laughs> okay. So the I, I think the reason why movies like the ones we're mentioning feel cool is that an underpinning of almost every memorable human experience uh, or some of the most memorable human experiences is the underpinning feeling of, I don't know what's going to happen to me, right? That's mm-hmm. why people skydive. That's why people do stand-up comedy or, or do spontaneous things. The juice of life is uncertainty. And I think people got tired of movies just spoon feeding them information safely. I think people get tired of being cozy. I think we went through the worst thing we've ever been through as people. And hopefully the worst thing we'll ever be through as people as a collective people. And we were tired of movies making us feel like safe little swaddle babies. I think we want to feel scared. We, we want to not know what a creator is going to do to us when we watch a movie. Right. I I mean, one of the reasons why, I think people read books is because books are written by individuals who don't subscribe to any sort of like model of how things should be written. Like unless an author is really like set in their ways about writing a book, every book will be unique and different in their plotting and structure and character development, or at least they should be because there's no formula for that. Mm -hmm. I think movies have been, Helped and hurt by this formulaic three-act screenwriting format. And that it's being taught and ingrained so much in filmmakers that it's great for getting work out there and for getting studios to pick up your stuff. Because it's understandable. It's in a format people get. And it's – but I think the – the other side of that sword is that everything feels a little bit the same. I, I forget we're who just said tired, this, but we're they, tired of it. Someone I was reading once said that the worst thing that happened to American fiction writing was people being taught that story frameworks are the same thing as story quality. Yeah. So like if you get a room full of people and you explain like three storytelling frameworks to them, the wrong thing to take away is, oh, if I see these things in a story, it means it's good. No, these frameworks just exist so you can learn how to write a story at all. They're, they're training wheels. Yeah. You can escape a framework and tell a story that's way more interesting. I, I think we've been relying a little too much on the same sort of structure in our movies, our... our um what are they called? Our, our studio, big studio tentpole movies that it, it's the, to the point where people are like, oh, yeah, I can predict what happens next. I think that's a problem. Yeah. I, I think when you when we as a culture, when our storytelling gets so predictable that we can know what's coming next, I feel like that's stagnation and that's bad. Yeah. Agreed. Now, so the way make to get around more, that, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah. Go, go. The way to get around that is to write a movie and not actually know what you're saying. Like in Hobbs and Shaw, when they had a mysterious voice and they freely admitted, we don't know who that voice is. A lot of people are trying to figure out who it is. We don't even know. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there'll never be a sequel to that movie. But The Rock is getting his own Fast and Furious movie, which is like, you. there was a time in, in, 
in the history of this podcast, we would have read that and been excited. But I feel like when we read that information, we just both groaned because it's 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 too much. Stop. I mean, we started watching these movies before. I mean, obviously, the Fast and Furious movies were like some of the most egregious examples of kind of unnecessary long running franchise. But that was kind of the appeal. But then the studio leaned really hard into modern franchise milking and it just became unfun. Yeah, it's not fun when you when you as the viewer feel like you're being taken advantage of for your love of of a franchise. Then it's not fun. And no yeah, longer when, feels when, fun. When Disney comes into your house, they're like, don't you like Obi-Wan Kenobi, you little fucking pig? Yeah. You want to watch Kenobi, you fucking little pig? No. I mean, I do, but I won't be controlled. Well, and then it's like, so you, you, you watch the Kenobi show and you're like, oh, well, I didn't really like that. But maybe they can pull it together with, with like a season two or something. And then they go, oh, yeah, no. Um, season two? No. No, you don't get that. Never. We don't want you to get that. You cared about no. Yeah, so you cared about Kenobi. Well, not enough of you watched it for us to think you cared. So no, we gave you what you wanted, and you didn't like it. So you could, you don't get anything else. You don't get anything else. We don't care. Book of Boba Fett season two. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) We only care about Star Wars when the men have helmets. Honestly, and I might, that might speak to another thing. It's like, give us more people who don't take their helmets off. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, fewer faces, more helmets for sure. I mean, yeah, Mandalorian season one, really good. Then season two, he took his helmet off and it was a big deal. Now we're back to season three, no helmet. I think, you know, I think there's something here. Give us more Judge Dredd. More Judge Dredd, more Robocop, more helmets. More? I don't care if they got a little mouth peeking out. One of the one of the best films I've ever seen was a little indie film by the name of Frank. And, you know, it's about a, a guy who he makes music and he wears like a paper mache mask the entire movie. Michael Fassbender, the man behind the man in the iron mask. Great movie. There you go. More masks. More masks. More. Uh, but not the mask. Too no, emotive. too much of the mask. Too much of the mask. So, so, so smoking. They made a son of the mask or whatever for some reason. Sure. They made a mask cartoon. I believe his dog got all masked up. Yeah. They also made an Ace Ventura cartoon. Got to go back and watch that. I bet that's good. The 90s was a weird time, buddy. Does he spread his butt in the cartoon? I never watched it. All right. Yeah, more films for more diverse for more diverse storytellers, and I feel like you solve your problem because then we'll get something refreshing, a breath of fresh air, less reliance on franchises, and just overall you're spreading the this 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 avenue of making more people have a better life through more diverse sources than just the same kind of tired old stories we've gotten from people a, a time and time again. Yeah, I mean, executives, listen, if you have more movies from more diverse voices, you can shift, you can pivot more quickly, you can be agile. If you're Disney right now, you can't cancel Doctor Strange 5 and 6. 
And also, Benedict Cumberbatch doesn't need more money. It's a win-win-win. It's a win-win-win. Stop remaking your goddamn live actions remakes of cartoons, and then you don't even you don't even care to make them good. You do don't even the, care to make them good. Do it the other way. Remake s- live action movies as cartoons. Oh, now we're talking. I want an anime version of Top Gun. Give me anime. Oh, I, I think like yeah, get an actual anime studio to remake Top Gun. I th- I feel like that would be a blast. People would love it. Fast and Furious, Lego. Let's Le- actually Lego hand draw. Fast and let's let's actually. I don't want another Spy Racers, please. I can't. I can't do another Spy Racers. Yeah, we watched all of it. We can't do any more of it. But no, an anime? With grounded, please. As grounded as you can with Fast and Furious. Don't go into spy gadget bullshit. Oh my god, like Initial D, but Fast and Furious? Yeah. Oh my god, I'm a space boy now. And... I feel like that's where they lost me with the Spy Racers bullshit was because they just had all these gizmos and gadgets or whatever. Just no. No, 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 no. No gizmos and gadgets. Just NOS and the power of family and faith. (laughs) (laughs) And faith. Pretty importantly, faith. Well, yeah. I mean, there's that cross. It protects whoever wears it. I looked up Fast and Furious anime and it just gives me Spy Racers. That's a problem. But anyway. Thankfully... Thankfully, I am a subscriber of PlayStation Plus, so I have free access to Fast and Furious Spy Racers Rise of Shifter, (sighs) the kart racing game. I feel like that's the only reason why that whole cartoon got made. Almost certainly. And, you know, the toys. Yeah. Anyway, Henry. John? I feel like there was so much news to talk about, and then we talked about very little of it. Uh, we got time for one more thing. If you want to like throw like a little news sprinkle in there. Oh, I got a little news sprinkle for you, Henry. And it's nothing but good news. You know me, good news, John. Good news, John. So I don't know how to break into this. You know about your sovereign nations of Nauru, etc. cetera. The, the various ways that uh, rich people are, I don't know, trying to buy land henry oh wait i think i have the same news story but please you tell it all right you respond as if you know exactly what to say have you heard of a little county called solano county california uh yeah um uh you know that's that's a that's an interesting no i don't think i i don't think i do uh well it's just a few hours outside of the san francisco Bay Area, well, some of the techiest tech bros of them all, I'm talking people from A16Z, Mark Andreessen, not Andrew Horowitz, Reed Hoffman, Chris Dixon, the Stripe Brothers, uh, Steve Jobs's widow, strangely, are trying to buy something like $800 million worth of land in Solano County, California to create a technocratic utopia. Yeah. 
Um, they're paying up to $15,000 per acre, according to court documents. And uh, they want to create a utopia. And of course, this is headed by some dude whose last name is... Ah, uh, yes. Flannery Associates. Flannery Associates. Which is created by the former Goldman Sachs trader Jan Schrammick. Uh, real, real super techie dude. They're trying to do it. They're gonna, they're gonna make a carbon neutral, public transit heavy tech hub. They're gonna fix all the problems that the Bay Area has. People will live there in their little communes above the fucking whatever startups they're at. It's gonna be great. Yeah, um, they've been buying up acres and acres of farmland since around 2018. Uh, they've accumulated about 52,000 acres of farmland just outside the Travis Air Force Base area. Great. Um, wait. <laughs> uh-huh. I have a quote from Catherine Moy, who is the mayor of Fairfield, which is uh, a nearby town. Uh, she says, so the entire base is encircled now. There's no part that isn't touched by Flannery. Great. They've encircled the air base. Great. Now, there's a, a fun thing you said there. Farmland. Farmland, yes. Uh, they are intending to turn this into, uh, one has to assume, mixed industrial residential zoning, which is typically what you find in a city. Almost none of the land they've purchased in Solano County is actually zoned for anything close to what they would use it for. Oh, yeah. There's going to be major restructuring and rezoning for sure. Plus, you gotta you got to... Think about farmland soil is different from the soil that we would use in residential areas. So there, there might be, you got to get out ecological studies and, and, and people to make sure that the foundations are going to be set really well. This is going to get real more expensive. Um, but hey, also there's like a pending lawsuit with the Flannery Associates and their acquiring of this land. Well, I mean, it would be a shame, perhaps, if Representative John Garamendi, who represents the district where the land was sold, informed people that the rezoning initiative would actually have to go to a vote to Solano County that Flannery Associates is actively suing. Amazing, yeah. Um, Flannery Associates are suggesting that landowners in the county have been inflating the value of their land in order to get a better sales price. That's interesting. I mean, I'm sure all of these tech bro assholes are the most invisible hand laissez-faire people on earth. So it's just the market, baby. Honestly, yeah. When you start buying up land, people who own the land tend to notice that other land's being bought. So yeah, demand is going up. If, um, if a big oaf walks into town and he's carrying a wallet that's just bursting with money and he's paying way more than he should for everything you're gonna say your stuff is worth more than it is oh this is amazing 
I, I, I want to see the mental gymnastics of how you figure this one out, uh, Flannery Associates. But this is the suit that they filed. They allege that Flannery overpaid the owners by about a hundred and seventy hundred million. I say that right. Wait, one hundred and seventy with six zeros behind it. A hundred and seventy million. A hundred. Wait, six zeros. Yeah, six zeros. Yeah, one hundred seventy million. All right, so pay overpaid by one hundred seventy million, but they're seeking damages of, of at least five hundred and ten million. Great, cool. You owe. They over. We overpaid by this amount, but we we were damaged five times like, the amount we overpaid. This is like people who get blackout drunk at a bar and was like, oh, that bartender really overserved me. I'm like, my brother in Christ, you were ordering the drinks. Yeah, yeah. This is a real my brother in Christ, you made the sandwich moment for sure. I can't believe that. <laughs> I can't believe I paid you $250 to pull my pants down and you did it. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> It's okay. You walk up to a cop with a stranger and you say, Hey, stranger, I'm going to pay you 250 bucks if you pull my pants down in front of this cop. And then you try to sue the stranger for when the cop arrests you for public indecency. Yep. Pretty much. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Apparently, I don't know who, who who's reading, who's, who's saying this. I don't know. I don't understand this sentence. In 2016, Y Combinator, a Silicon Valley startup accelerator, began looking into how it could build a city that could address California's affordable housing crisis. Begin, quote, we want to build cities for all humans, for tech and non-tech people, the accelerator wrote. We're not interested in building crazy libertarian utopias for techies. I mean, that's cool to say in practice, and it shows a certain amount of awareness, but it is kind of what they're doing. No, that's exactly what they're doing. Also, the the, the, the delineation here for tech and non-tech people, you're classifying people into two camps for no reason. Yeah, that doesn't exist. There aren't tech and non-tech people. It's just the kind of jobs people have. Right. But approaching your city with that mindset for me, sets up a red flag. There's going to be... You're setting up a caste system. I want want a city for the bullshit project managers, product managers who don't do any work, and I don't know, people who like farm carrots or whatever, (laughs) people who don't work in tech do. We need some some baristas. (laughs) Somebody's got to make the coffee. We need whoever the guy is who puts the single sprig of asparagus in my Erwan asparagus water. Right. I'm sure that guy needs a, yeah. a place to live. Now, I, I do get, I guess, economically why they'd want to do something like this. Uh, there's a push amongst a lot of companies to like return to the office and return to hub cities. I think the CEO of Amazon and a like big call to remote workers. Oh man. Continued remote work is not going to work out for you. I think. Uh, yes. I I just want to point out the most ironic one that happened last week. Uh, zoom. 
said that people need to return to the office. Fucking Zoom. Yes, it is ridiculous. Uh, And I think that as that pressure continues to build, one of the, of course, one of the gifts we get from COVID is that franchises are dead. Another gift we got is that people got a world-class education in housing cost disparity between different geographic locations for good and ill. Uh, So I think that they are trying to find a way to lure people back to a hub city while also being like, hey, we get it. If you move to the Bay Area, your rent for a studio is $3,000 a month. Right. Yeah, in a way, it, it I know this has been tossed around a bunch, but it, it kind of is, in a way, this, recreating company towns. Yes, that is also part of it. They well, you, you want people to spend as much time on company property as possible. You want them to right. sleep at their desks. You want to provide their meals to them. So if they own, if we own the town, then you never technically leave company grounds. Um, yeah, but you, but you don't get it. it. When you go down to the cafe, you spend your stripe script <laughs> to, to buy a quinoa bowl. Right. I mean, there's that too. It's like if we own the town, we own the infrastructure of the town. Um, you know, if we're the mayor or like if we're the governing body of our town, local taxes go to us. We get it's, more of their money and we paid them. So it's we're getting our money back. <laughs> It is highly unlikely this will go anywhere. California is notoriously difficult to build new houses on and rezone. And it is going to rely on the goodwill of a county that they've burned all goodwill with. So I really... Yeah. I I don't think this is going to go anywhere. It's almost like we're in this endless cycle of tech companies trying to change society. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. For the better, in their eyes, in this case, for the better, meaning actual affordable housing. Like, uh, there's a lot of stuff downstream and upstream of that that is wrong in their thinking. But they do want to, like, make a place for people to afford to live that's attractive. They are just trying to reinvent things that should have been solved with policy decades ago. And the only reasonable way for these things to be fixed in the near to the far term is with policy and tech companies keep trying to do this and they keep racking up the L's. It's hilarious for a multiple multitude of reasons. One, you're buying up a lot of real estate in California, a, a state with a notoriously huge fault line that is threatening to wreak havoc on everything. And if it ever did, it would be one of the largest natural disasters to ever happen in the history of the nation. That's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. (laughs) But two, it's exactly what you said. They keep trying to solve themselves the problems that they themselves have created through lobbying for certain policies and exceptions through Congress it's like my workers are ha- living this, this such a hard life. What can I do? I know. I'll become a robber baron <laughs> instead I, of. <laughs> I will do everything I fucking can to lower my 
personal and corporate tax burden. But why are people not getting assistance and why is housing so expensive? It's like these things are connected. Your complete and total allergy to personal and corporate responsibility has the downstream effect of making everything more expensive and and making people's lives miserable. Yeah, absolutely. It's like it's another situation again where it's like my brother in Christ. Yeah. You made the sandwich. You avoided paying taxes so you could turn around and spend $800 million trying to make affordable housing for people. Guess what? Maybe if you had just paid taxes and lobbied for legislation for affordable housing, this could have been solved probably for cheaper by people who are experts at doing that. I mean, it's not as though studies have shown that when you give people more benefits in their daily life, that they give more in their professional lives or anything. We haven't proved that time and time again. No. So dumb. I, you know, I kind of, I honestly wish these lunatics the best with their utopian city. I only ask from them one simple thing. There's a strike yes. going on for writers and actors, and Godspeed, we stand strong with them. How about a reality television show of you guys trying to fucking put this shit together? Because oh, I think be so that great. would be fucking hilarious. Because one, you're going to cut every corner you can. Two, you're not going to hire experts. You're going to listen to your own stupid advice. And three, it's going to blow up spectacularly before it's ever going to be a success. So please film it. I think at some point there was a reality television show from another country about children trying to build a bridge over a river. Oh my God. And it got canceled because they never were able to like build the bridge at all. And it just turned into infighting. And I think it would be very similar. Yeah. You're, you're just going to have a few dozen people who think they're the smartest person in the room when in fact they have median intelligence at best and very little real world experience. Uh, and they would be completely unable to accomplish anything. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, just who, you know, you can't, they're like, I can't build this city. I need 17 layers of product managers. <laughs> Where's city. my middle managers who I can yell at for when the building codes aren't up to snuff? You know, who's on pager duty for this building collapsing? Yep. So dumb. I, I wish them all the best. We need a good reality TV show, and I'd love to see that thing burn down, assuming they can even get the zoning. Which is going to be a huge battle because, you, you know... I don't know if you know this about people who live in areas um, like rural areas. They don't fucking like outsiders coming in and changing a bunch of shit. Yeah, not not big fans. Not big fans. Oh, but yeah, thank you for bringing that up. I didn't I I, I came across that and I loved the sentences I loved. It's like one of those things like this would make a really great story. I hate that it's real life <laughs> because no, this would be an incredible book. Yeah. This would be so cool to see as like a, like a, a satire or a farce for sure. Oh, Henry turns out scary movies stop being made. Cause we're the scary movie of ourselves. Oh, fuck. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, you can't do satire anymore because life has become so satirical. So we are, we are the parody. Of we are the parody. And uh, with that, I'll say, what's up? What's up? Remember, scary movie. Yeah, I think I saw it once. <laughs> yeah, we talked about it for an hour. Anyway, Henry. John. I think we might have to skitter on out of here. It's time to get your skittering on. All right, let me fire up the the skitterers. If you want to help John skitter away, he's going to tell you exactly how you can skitter. You think that's the, you think that's the sound of skittering, but it's actually just a Chris Nolan soundtrack. <laughs> if you want to send us your favorite Chris Nolan soundtrack spoilers, it's Dunkirk. Tick, 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 tick. Nah, sorry, sorry. Styles. I, I, I have to interject to uh, disagree. It's interstellar by a mile. Tick, 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 Dunkirk. <laughs> it's your birthday. You can interject in the social media reads once, but if you want to send us your Dunkirk <laughs> interstellar, The Dark Knight Rises, you can send us to... Since, <laughs> nah. You can send that to us on X, formerly known as Twitter, futurely known as Empty Building, at ZCPCWHJ on X dot X <laughs> com. I don't know. Uh, if you want to send us an email, perhaps a longer version of what you'd send us on X. Listen, I start. I get. I get up in that URL bar. I type an X. What am I going to type? X.com? What comes after the X? Videos? Hamster? Who knows? But if you want to send us an email, do so to our email address at zero credits is a podcast at gmail.com it's not getting fixed we'll never fix it if you're listening to this podcast congratulations you've made it to the end and you are soon to be freed for the rest of your life no more will you hang on the tree of woe and you can once again walk your road to perdition but if you have friends who want to listen to this podcast we are on every podcasting service mostly also real quick we outlived stitcher we, we said we did go, we said we wouldn't go on stitcher and guess who's still fucking standing stitcher it's, yeah it's not them it's not them they're dead in the ground as of now hope you exported all your shows it's too late if you have it, but we're on Good Pods, Pod Chaser, Pod Damn America. <laughs> we are on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the good ones. A great way for people to learn about the show is for you to leave a comment, review, whatever, engage with the podcast in some way on these platforms. It'll boost us. Give us a boost. We need a little boost on the platforms. Give us a boost. But. If you want to boost us even better, find a friend and a wall. Each of you individually could not climb up that wall yourselves. So you look at your friend, you give them the knowing look, and then you face the wall, and then you turn, and then your back faces the wall, and then you, you clasp your two hands together, and you look at your friend like, you know what I'm doing. I'm giving you a boost. You ever want to do that? You ever want to give someone a boost? 
give your friend a boost, and then you whisper into the air as they're being boosted, hey, listen to the Zero Creds podcast. Also, when you're on the top of this wall, can you kick down a ladder so I can climb up too? Because uh, word of the mouth is the only way we can survive. So boost your friends, and they'll boost you, and we'll get to the other side of that wall together. And from everyone on this side of the wall, Studio Zero Credits, we want to wish you a happy birthday. Happy birthday, Henry. Oh, John, don't mention it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, uh, Yeah. Goodbye. Goodbye, birthday. Barf day. Good barf day. <laughs> Good morning. Good barf day morning. Good barf day morning.